I want to talk this morning about the impact that Christ has on our lives. Oh, yes, sorry. Thank you, honey. Uh, Pastor Nelson and Pastor Louise, um, they're not here this morning. They're in Grand Forks, as uh, Charlene mentioned. But last Sunday, right after church, Pastor Nelson got a text message from Pastor Ron Short in Cranbrook. And Pastor Ron's wife, Bonnie, had had a stroke a few months ago and was in a care home. And they were actually, um, if you're aware of how the care homes work in each region, you don't always get to go to your community. And so she was in another community, not in Cranbrook. I believe she was in um, Invermere. And they were waiting for an opening in Cranbrook. And so Pastor Ron was quite excited that that was happening. And then last Sunday or last Saturday... I'm not sure the exact time timeline, um, she passed away um, to be with the Lord. It was an ongoing struggle and an ongoing uh, health battle. And uh, Pastor Ron contacted Pastor Nelson almost immediately and asked if he could come up and take the officiate the going home service. So Pastor Nelson and Pastor Louise got on the road at about 1 o'clock uh, two o'clock last Sunday, and immediately left to go up there. So that's where they were this week, and then um, they contacted a pastor in Grand Forks and are ministering there. So if you could keep Pastor Ron in your prayers um, as he grieves the loss of his wife, and he demonstrated a love and care for a, uh, his wife that was amazing. Um, so we want to honor him and we want to remember him. The impact of Christ in your life. If I was to ask you, what is the impact Christ has in your life or has had in your life, could you quantify it? Could you explain it? Could you sit across the table from somebody and say, this is what Christ means to me. This is what he's done for me. And as I've been meditating this year, I believe this year is going to be a year where you are impacted. And as I mentioned last week, I believe the impact starts personally before it extends outwardly. And you'll find in the scriptures that many times God starts inside, but the work that he does inside is meant to go outside. So when God does something, he doesn't do something just for the benefit of David. He does something in David, for David, but for you, for others. A great example of that is the explanation in Galatians of the fruit of the Spirit. Have you ever seen an apple tree proud of its fruit? I have never seen an apple tree boasting of its fruit. I've never seen a pear tree say, look at me, look at me, I'm a pear tree. All I've seen is a pear tree producing pears for the benefit of those that can take of that fruit. And that's a picture we see in Galatians of the fruit of the Spirit. And what we see is fruit starts from the root 
and it starts within and then it grows and those that are outside get to enjoy the benefit. So the fruit that you have in your life, is that for your benefit? Or do you think that's maybe for the benefit of others? So I'd like to start, I'd like to put that down as a bit of a premise because we live in a society that's all about me. If you watch advertising, advertising is all about the gratification of me. What can I get? You've got to get this vehicle because when you get this vehicle, you are going to be so happy. I mean, a, a great commercial, I love the commercial, I think it's well done, is just the simple commercial of Matthew McConaughey, I think is his name. I can't pronounce it. But he's just sitting in his Lincoln driving and he's smiling. And then you hear him say, I was driving a Lincoln before they ever asked me to because I just love it. And then he smiles. But what is that all? That's all about me. And we've been ingrained, we've been taught, we've had classes in school, value ethics, and social classes that try to take and determine who's a value more, and they put you in the equation. And these are situations we've grown up with, but in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is not the kingdom that mirrors the world. The kingdom of God is a kingdom that mirrors what's in heaven. So when we become Christians and we accept Christ in our hearts and in our lives, what happens is there's a shift or a change in my rulership. There's a shift or a change in who's in charge of my life. And no longer do I just do things the way I think they should do or be done. I now do things based on what the Word of God says. Pastor Winona and I were talking this week about scenarios in life and and she asked me a couple questions how would you handle this and how would you handle that and and talking about relationships and as we were talking God reminded me and, and Pastor Nelson has mentored me and taught me and he's taught many of us uh, Pastor Daniel and myself have the tremendous honor and privilege of being his son-in-laws and at the same time pastoring with him so we've had some very personal times with him but one of the things Pastor Nelson taught me with respect to relationships and counseling and stuff, he's, he's quite often you can get caught into the battle of my rights, my privileges, my territory, my things. And Pastor Nelson, as I've talked with him and, and questioned him and as he's taught me, He's brought it back to one simple thing, and I think this is an amazing principle. He's brought it back to what is my responsibility to the Word. And in society, we're taught, no, get what you can and can what you get. Don't give it away. Just, just keep it. Hold on to it. Keep it there. And if somebody infringes on that, you chase them down and you face them, and you, you get back. Which, and in the kingdom of God, it says, no, I want you to have fruit so that other people can take from that fruit. 
The kingdom of God is not a kingdom that is synonymous or parallel with the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of God is a kingdom that is anti-world. It is different than the world system. It is based on a system from heaven. That's why Jesus says, and on earth as it is in heaven. And when we accept Christ, in fact, if you read the scriptures, you'll find out, I am not a citizen of this earth. I am a citizen of heaven. My citizenship is in heaven now. So I do not just, yeah, I carry a Canadian passport and I may identify myself as a Canadian citizen, but I'm also an actually a citizen of heaven. I'm a Canadian heavenanian. So the ruler of my life is not based on me, me, me. The ruler of my life is based on what Christ says. And I believe that I, as I've watched life, myself included, in fact, I've analyzed myself quite a bit, and I have found myself lacking in areas because I allow me, me, I, I. I mean, I've sat down with people and within the first five minutes, I was hurt. I was this. I was that. And that, I'm not saying that doesn't happen. That happens. But what happens is we need to take the focus off of I. And what does God say? What does God say? What does his word say? What does his word say? So as we look at the thought of impact... I want to look at the life of Paul. I've got a couple passages to read. And I want us to see the impact that Christ had on Paul's life. And if you can, let's turn to the book of Acts. I'd like to look at Acts chapter 9, and we're going to start in Acts 9. And I just want to look at, first of all, his encounter with Christ. And if you read the book of Acts, you'll find out there's three times that the conversion of Paul is mentioned, which I find interesting because sometimes people will say, don't share your testimony. No, Paul actually shared his testimony two times, plus there's the third time of the original encounter that he had with Christ. Know your story and share your story. Sometimes people will hear the, the reality of what you've gone through more than they will read, hear the reality of the these and the thous and the King James language. So know your story. Know what Christ has done for you. Know the impact he's had for you. So Paul in chapter 9, it, and we're going to just start right at the beginning of verse 1, but Paul still breathing out threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked them for letters to go to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. I mean, he made so much havoc in Jerusalem, he was now going further. And the disciples, this is right after the, the death of Stephen, the stoning of Stephen in chapter 7. And as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. 
But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you're to do. And the men traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. And so Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. And they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and he did not eat or drink. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said to him, Man, this, put yourself in the position of Ananias here. The guy that has been threatening and pulling people and dragging them out of their homes and bringing them bound and, and doing all this work, cleansing things, and he's been going after the people that were considered what they call the way, which was the first Christian recognition in the New Testament of a group. And that's like somebody breathing out threats today, and then they come and sit in our congregation. What would you do? I mean, so God talks to Ananias, and he says, uh, um, I want you to rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he's praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come and lay his, lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. First of all, if you don't believe in God giving you words and visions, there's one right there. Ananias was given a name and an address. And then he was told, Paul, this guy's had a vision, and this is what he's... Can you imagine God giving you a dream one night with a name of somebody, a street address, and then saying, by the way, this guy's had a dream? And this is, what would you, this blows my mind because I've never had that. And if I did, I'd probably be freaking out going, well, whose address and what address is this? And do I trust this or is this, I'd probably drive down the street, check that address out two or three times before I got out of my vehicle, if I got out of my vehicle. I think we need to expect God to do some wild stuff with us. I mean, can you imagine what it'd be like if just one person here, God gave a dream and a vision of somebody a block away that you knew didn't really like you because you're a Christian. And you woke up and you said, man, I think God told me I had to go pray for him. What would you do? I suspect some of you might call Pastor Nelson and Pastor David and Pastor Daniel. Because if I was in your position, that's what I would do. <laughs> and I'd probably freak out and say, I don't know what's going on. But Paul has this encounter he has this impact, and, and this to me is what an amazing impact Christ had in Paul's life. It's one moment. It's in one moment. Paul thought he was doing everything good. Paul thought he was doing everything right. Paul thought, I have all these things for me. And in one moment, God interrupts him, comes in front of him and says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And his response is, who are you, Lord? which I find interesting. How did he know to call him Lord? 
And that one encounter impacted Paul for the rest of his life. Now I'd like you to turn to Philippians. And I want to read a few verses out of Philippians chapter 3. I need my other, this is not the right text. I had it highlighted. Chapter 3 of Philippians, and I'm reading these, I've got some other versions in front of me, but I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. And I want to read a passage out of Philippians chapter 3. I want to, I want to, See what God's Word has to say about the impact that Christ made on Paul, but the impact that he made, and Paul, as he recorded this and wrote this down, this is something that you and I can see and expect, and I would, exp I would share with you and say that this is something that we can actually have as a goal in our life as we read this. And Paul's writing, and he says, I'm going to start in verse to watch out for those dogs, those wicked men and their evil deeds, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship God in the Spirit are the only ones who are truly circumcised. We put no confidence in man's effort, in human effort. Instead, we boast about what Christ has done for us. So if you want as a note, I want you to highlight that. We boast about what God has done for us. We take no confidence in what we've done, but it's in what Christ has done. Yet, I could have confidence in myself. This is Paul writing. If anybody could, I could. If, any, if others have a reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. For I was circumcised when I was eight days old. Having been born into a pure-blooded Jewish family that is the branch of the tribe of, Jew, of Benjamin... So I am a real Jew if there ever was one. What's more, I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. And zealous? Yes. In fact, I, was, I harshly persecuted the church and I obeyed the Jewish law so carefully that I was never accused of any fault. I once thought all these things were very important. Verse 7. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. I want you to see how he brings Christ into the conversation. And we're going to see three, three thoughts or four thoughts out of this passage where Paul talks about some things of life and then he compares it with what Christ has done. And I just, I love the work of Christ because I have found that I can have my accomplishments, my dreams, my goals. I can have the things that have happened to me, the things that are good, the things that are bad, and I can pile all these things up and I can try to stack them up and make them look impressive. And then when I come over here, it's Christ. It's Christ. Just, just, just Christ. Because in Him... You see everything. In Him, you see the goodness, the value. In Him, you see the victory. In Him, you see salvation. And man's effort piles up. 
I was born this way. I was of this tribe. I was raised like this. I was taught here. I was a Pharisee. I was this. I was that. And then he goes, but this is what Christ done. Don't overcomplicate what Christ has done for you. It can be very complicated, and it is, but keep it simple. He died for me. He saved my soul. He set me free. And inside of that is everything I need to live. Now, it can get complicated, but I think sometimes we get so much complication in there that we forget and we miss who Jesus is. And Paul is writing here, and he says, I once thought all these things were so very important, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I may have Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count on my own goodness or my ability to obey God's law, but I trust Christ to save me. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And as a result, I can really know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Now, I want you to see this. If you want to experience the power that raised him from the dead, you've also got to experience the power that means to suffer with him. Sometimes we want the glory, but we also sometimes need to get the gory. Come on. We, I, I'm a, I preach about the power and the beauty, but there's also an aspect of, are you prepared to suffer for Christ? Paul says, I want to see the salvation of, and the miraculous resurrection, but I'm also prepared to suffer. If you stand up for Christ in today's day and age, you may not be patted on your back. You might be stabbed in your back. You might actually have the door slammed in your face, literally. Are you prepared to do that to serve Christ? Serving Christ is not for wimps. And you are not a wimp. There's an army here. And you guys are warriors. But sometimes... If I can say it, sometimes that human element comes into play. The woe is me. The he didn't shake my hand Sunday morning and I'm offended is me. The he didn't even wave at me in the car when I drove by. And please, if that ever happens to you, I don't even see my wife when I'm driving in the car and she's in another vehicle coming the other way. I... some. He, he, he didn't even, you know what? He said hi to 10 people, and I was number 11, and he stopped. I'm suffering for Christ. Are you? Anyway, I, I don't, don't want to get on a tangent. As a result, I can really know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I can learn what it means to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that somehow I can experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't, and I love this part, 
verse 12, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. We do not have a group of perfect people in here. We have a group of people who actually make mistakes. Me included. If you're looking for the perfect church, the moment you walk into it, it's not perfect. I'm glad somebody laughed. And please don't get offended by that because I talked about offense five minutes ago. Um, Paul's saying, this is my goal, but I haven't attained it. And in today's world, if you don't attain it, you shouldn't claim it. You shouldn't say it. But in God's kingdom, I don't base it on me. I base it on what Christ did. And I can stand in front of you and say, this is my goal. And you know what? I might fall down seven times, but I'm going to rise eight. I may fall down flat on my face, but I'm going to get up again and I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep pushing on. And Paul's saying, don't think that I'm some perfect person. He says, I haven't attained this yet. He says, I have some measure of it. I have reached some aspect of it, and I believe every one of us here, if we are not progressing in our faith, there's something wrong. If we aren't moving forward in Christ, what are we doing? And I would rather make one simple step, and, and I, I kept it real simple this year. I just turned 51. Yeah. My wife, I think, whistled there. Like, yeah. You had an opportunity there, honey. And I look at goals, and this year, I wrote down one simple goal. Because I figured if I wrote ten things down, I'd get so frustrated trying. So I just wrote one thing, and I figure if I could get that good at that one thing this year, Next year, I'll just add one more thing. And I'd rather make one progress, one step forward this year than try to make 10 and not make any. And actually, if you study things, and you'll find out people studied progress and people studied goals and everything else, which I love to study and to look at, and, and there's a book called The Big Hairy Goals and stuff like that and these, these audacious ideas. But what they say is, you know what, if you try to do 10 things in one day, chances are you won't get anything done. But if you try to get one or two things done, chances are you'll get three or four done. And I would rather look at doing one or two things and working on that, and I believe in what I call the spin-off effect, that as I get... If I, if I work on one area, things will spin off because it will prove, improve in other areas. Instead of trying, uh, I, I used to read books, well, I still do, but I would get so excited from reading a book, it would drive Pastor Winona crazy. And, and for instance, um, John Maxwell, I love reading his stuff, and I get so excited and so motivated by it, and he'll write down 17 laws of leadership, and I'll read that, and I'll, I'll write down the 17 laws, and then I practice every day to do those 17 laws. And it would drive Winona crazy because, you know, well, no, I've got to empower this. I've got to do that. And it was like, if I just did one of those and practiced it and got good at it, chances are I'd probably be accomplishing one or two more 
just because I'm doing it. So this year, I'm not going to be perfect, but I've just got one goal that I'm saying, this is what I'd like to do this year, and I'm going to focus and look at that and, and try to get better in that area, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. But I did write it down because Pastor Daniel told us we should write it down. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ has saved me for and wants me to be. No, dear brothers and sisters, I am still not all I should be, but I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lays ahead. I stretch to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us up to heaven. I want to stop there and I want to give you three or four thoughts about how Christ can impact your life and how he has impacted your life from this passage. The first thing I want you to see is in verse 3 where Paul says, we don't put any confidence in our flesh. When Christ impacted his life, it changed his foundation. It changed Paul's values. I worked really hard at this, and so I got three V's. It changed his values. What he valued from his past changed. Well, I was raised this way, I was taught this way, I was brought this way. And, and what's funny, when you read the language, and I just love how Paul writes, and we're going to conclude with a great little way that Paul caps this off. But Paul goes, you know, I don't put any confidence in that. But if I did, I'd beat you all. But I won't. I mean, I just love the way he writes it, and he does that a few times. He does that about giving. He says, I'm not going to ask you to give, but if I did, I don't want to be embarrassed, but I'm not going to ask you. You read it. He does that. He says, I bragged about you guys, but don't worry. I'm not asking you, but, you know, if you, you know, I, I, and here he goes. He says, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking at my past. I'm not putting any confidence in my flesh. And, and, he, and he says, you know, and all these people that do, he says, but if I had to, I could but I won't. And he says, for instance, I was circumcised on the eighth day. If you were a true Jew, you were circumcised on the eighth day. There were some people that became Jewish that were circumcised when they got proselytized or, or they became Jewish or of a different um, stream, they were circumcised when they were 13. He says, no, a true Jew was circumcised eight years old. I'm legit. He says, not only that, but I'm a Jew of the Jew. And in some versions, he says, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And the word Hebrew was only used by those people who spoke Hebrew. And so you could be a Jew and not speak Hebrew, but he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews because he spoke Hebrew. See, Jews went to Greek. Uh, Greece and Rome and other areas, and they would take the language that was there. And he says, no, I haven't done that. I've stayed true to the Hebrew. And he says, not only that, 
but I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. And you say, well, that, how does that matter? Because if you study history of Israel, you'll find out that Israel had a divided kingdom for a number of years, hundreds of years. And there were two tribes that stayed in Israel, uh, uh, Judah, Judah and Benjamin, and then it was the other ten tribes. And so he's saying, listen, guys, if you really want to look at it, I'm from the tribe that stayed with Judah, that stayed true. Although they, although they had their issues, but the royal line came through there. So he's stating this case, and he's like nailing it every single time. But he says, I put no confidence in those things from the past. When Christ impacts you, it changes your values of what you had from the past. It doesn't matter where you came from. It matters who you come from. doesn't matter where you came from, but it matters who you come from. And the impact that Christ had in Paul, Paul says, you know what? I count all those things as dung, as garbage, as, as just filth, if I could just know him. What value Paul placed on his relationship with Christ? So it was a value his impact changed his value. Everything used to be based on what I did. Now everything ba is based on what Christ did. Do you see the difference? I used to gain my support. I used to gain my confidence. I used to gain my value. I, I, we would drive around, Pastor Winona and I, and as a kid I played soccer and I loved it. And as a teenager, and we would drive around town, and all of a sudden I'd say, oh, I played soccer there. And we'd go, oh, I played soccer there. I get all this confidence in that. You know what? It doesn't amount to anything, especially if you're not very good. But it doesn't amount to anything. It's what Christ did. Am I prepared to let all that go to say, this is what Christ did for me. I want you to think about the impact of Christ in your life. Because I believe when we understand the impact of Christ in our life, we will see the impact of Christ happen for other people. And Paul, when he recognized the impact of what Christ had done for him, he let everything else go. And Jesus talked about the parables and one of the parables of the kingdom was of the, the pearl of great price and how somebody sold everything so they could buy that one thing. And in today's day and age, I, I've met people that, that asked me, can you be my pastor, almost as if they could put that in their back pocket so if they got in trouble, they could just pull this card out and say, well, I know a pastor. Well, <laughs> that ain't very good if you don't know Christ. And in today's society, it's like, well, let's just add this on. No, I'm sorry. I am 100% totally committed, and I'm sold out. I'm all in Christ. And everything from my past does not matter in relationship to Christ and what he did for me. And when you live a life of impact like that, it changes the game. 
it changes your values. Because those things that I built my life on that I thought were important, career, money, relationships, family, heritage, lineage, what I was taught, if that doesn't fit with Christ, and Christ isn't number one, and I'm not saying my family isn't important, and they are, but that's where Christ comes in first, the impact he has on my life. So Paul says his values changed. We go down to verse 7. He says, I, I once thought all these things were so very important, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. And this is the second thing I want you to see, that his view changed. His values changed, but also his view changed. He was dealing with his past. Now he's dealing with his present. And I say, my past is, is, is changed. The view that I have, uh, the, the values that I have from my past are changed, but the view that I have from my present has also changed because of the impact that Christ had for me. And he says, and I consider everything loss but to know him. Let me ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hand. Is there something in your life that is in the way of what Christ has done for you? Are you holding on to something just in case it doesn't work out? <laughs> I've been there. Somehow I think I'm smarter than God. Somehow I think I can trust myself better than I can trust Him. I mean, I fall flat in my face, I make a fool out of myself, but for some silly reason I think I can do it again. He did it once, and it was good forever. I mean, I'm 50 years old and I've made a mess of things and it ain't good forever. What is your view of what Christ has done for you? I'm wanting to challenge your thinking. I'm wanting to challenge your faith because I believe Christ has touched every one of us. And as you go today, one of my prayers is that your view and your value of what Christ has done for you would change and the impact that he has had in your life would change your life so that you would look at things with a perspective of what Christ has done, not what I've added to this or I've done this or I've accomplished, but what has he done? And Paul looked at his past and he saw his values and his foundation changed. And then he also saw that his present, there was a shift. The personal accomplishments didn't matter. He viewed them now in light of what Christ had done. And there's an impact that happens that changes or a shift that will happen when you accept the work of Christ. Because salvation is not a one-time event. I might get saved, but I'm continually becoming more like Christ. I'm growing in Christ. That's what Paul said here at the end of the passage. He says, it's not that I've attained. I've accepted Christ, but I'm learning to become more like him. 
And I think if we're honest, we would realize that there's that little thing that sits on our shoulder and tells us, no, tell him he's an idiot when he's actually a nice person. No, tell him, do this, do that. That right there tells me I'm still growing. Third thing I want you to see, when Christ impacted Paul's life, is that Paul saw something bigger than himself. It changed his vision for the future. Paul saw things differently. Paul says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I keep pressing toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be. He says, and then he continues and he says, forgetting the past, I press on to the future. Don't live your life looking at the past. The past is past for a reason. It's past. And now I'm looking to the future. And I'm determined myself not to spend time looking at last year, two years, five years, 40 years. I'm now looking at five years, 10 years, 50 years, next week, tomorrow, this afternoon. I'm looking forward. Because when Christ impacts you, he changes what you see, and you see things differently. And he says, now I'm pressing on towards the high prize, the prize. There's a prize for each one of you. Are you running the race knowing there's a prize for you? God has a prize. So I see three things the impact of Christ on Paul's life, it changed his values. It changed his view. And it changed his vision. He says, one thing. I'm just pressing on to one thing. Impact will do that to you. Have you ever met somebody who had a near-death experience and how that radically changed their life. And I'm not saying that's not a bad thing. There's a lot of positives that come out of those. Imagine that in our Christian experience. And somehow I think sometimes we've lived life to the lowest common denominator. We've lived life to, well, I'm not feeling well, I'm sick, I guess I deserve this, I should just be here. Well, it's my cross to bear. I don't believe that. I believe he's my great physician. I've seen him do healings. I've seen him do miracles. We've lived life to the common denominator. We've lived life to, well... Everybody else seems to be struggling with this, so I guess I am. No, I'm not living like that. The impact Christ has made on me is an impact that it's what He has done, and I'm pressing forward to what He says. I'm not living my life based on a bunch of ideas and opinions of man. I'm basing my life on what He has done. Mike, one of my thoughts is, if you come to me and say, what's my opinion? My opinion doesn't really matter. What does the Word of God say? 
You ask me for my opinion, I better be careful because my opinion may not be correct. What does the Word of God say? What should I do about this situation? What does God's Word say? Oh, don't get, don't, don't get so spiritual. No, it's Christ. What should I do about this career? What does God's Word say? What should I do about my children? What does God's Word say? We get in trouble when we go, in my opinion. Now, I want to close with, with this passage that Paul, I just love how he writes this in verse 15. I hope you get a chuckle like I get a chuckle out of this. Because whether you agree with me or not, I want you to read this. I hope all of you who are mature Christians will agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. I'll be honest with you, I'm standing here firm on the Word of God. When I say this, I'm not here to sit and argue. But the impact of Christ in my life should be, what has He done? What has He done? Not my ideas. Not my experiences. Although they may be positive, Sometimes my experiences are tainted with my ideas and my opinions. It's not my heritage. It's not how I was born. It's not my career. It's not my accomplishments. It's not all my goals. It's Paul saying, there's one thing I'm pressing on to know him, what he has done for me. I would love for you as a body, to read Philippians chapter 3. Google it. Google is biblical sometimes. But search it. Read it from a few different versions. And read it with the view or with the impact or with the thoughts or the lens of what impact has God put in my life. What impact has he made in my life? Has he changed the view of my past? And the values, those things that I used to value, has he changed them? Has he changed my view for today? And has he given me a vision for tomorrow? This morning, I, I want to give that to you as a challenge. Read Philippians 3. Especially read verse 15. I hope all of you who are mature Christians will agree on these things. And if you disagree on some point, I'm going to believe God that he'll show you the truth. I love it. That's Paul. But I'll read it too. Amen. You were created to impact your neighborhood. You were created to impact your area, your block, your street, your office, your cars. You were created to be an impact. You were created to cause fruit to grow, and that fruit was for some other person to eat. 
The fruit's not so you can say, look at me. The fruit is for the person to grab it and to eat. I believe this year is going to be a year of impact. I want to look at impact in our families. I want to look at impact in our children. I want to look at impact in our careers. I want to look at impact in the miraculous. I want to look at impact in in our neighborhoods, in our spheres of influence. Because I'm asking God for each one of you to impact somebody this year. I'll say that again. I'm asking God for you to impact somebody this year. I'm asking God, you've got like 340 days left. Maybe, no, 330-ish. I'm not good at my math. But you've got over 300 days left to impact one person for Christ. And I'm not saying you have to get on a soapbox. Just be somebody who shows the impact of Christ in your life. And don't worry, you're not going to get it right. You're going to make mistakes. You might stub your toe and you might use a word that nobody's heard before. You might get upset, blow your top. You might say things that you regret. Don't stay there. This is what Christ has done for me. I'm not perfect. You might see me and I might not be smiling. But Christ has impacted me. And because of his impact, I will live a life looking forward and I will live a life of impact that other people are going to see. Amen? I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray that we would see and experience and realize the impact that you have on our lives, so that we can see impacting other people's lives. May we be a true reflection of your impact, and may we not get hung up if we make a mistake, but will we stand up and say, let's do it again, so that we can bring you glory and bring you honor. I thank you, Jesus. Bless everyone here today in your precious name. Amen. Actually, if there's anybody here sick, Lord, I ask for healing. I ask for healing for loved ones, for those that aren't here today because they're not feeling well, flu, or other issues. I ask for healing right now, this moment, to flood their homes, flood their chairs, flood their beds, flood wherever they are, that they would receive a touch from you at this moment. In your precious name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.